Hi, Mama. Welcome to Ministry and Motherhood. This is your host, coach, and mentor, Lauren Apple. Here at Ministry and Motherhood, we want to see you step fully into your God-given ministry impact at home and in the marketplace. So let's get moving. Ladies, ladies, I am so excited to be jumping in with you again this week. And man, I feel like I have a word from the Lord that is for so many of you in the place that you are at right now. And it's this whole idea of God and his resurrection message, his resurrection life, how he brings the things of old to life. He brings uh, new things and new opportunities and new experiences. He breathes life into the dead and he brings alive new things. And that is what this whole episode is about today. It's time for a new thing. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what God has been doing or showing or speaking to you about or even what he has yet to do that you're still holding out hope for. But God has a powerful, powerful opportunity of new life and new things in store for you today, in store for your motherhood, in store for your family, in store for your business, in store for your ministry, in store for your purpose and your calling and the visions and the dreams that he's put inside of you. God's going to do a new thing. And he wants to encourage you in that today. And I want to encourage you in that today. It wasn't, it doesn't feel like it was too long ago, even though it probably was a very long time ago where God spoke the calling of ministry into my heart. Um, I got involved in the Christian church and in my youth group and with my youth pastor who uh, was such a mentor for me and poured into my life. And really, that's why I'm a believer today. That is why I feel a call to ministry today is because of my youth pastor. But um, I got involved in, in fifth grade and then into middle school and high school ministry. But when I was 16 years old, I remember very clearly sitting on my bed in my basement bedroom. Anybody who lives up north knows all the, the basements and the basement bedrooms and the noises that we have in our basement rooms and all that stuff. And, and a lot of times I felt isolated down there because I was the only bedroom that was finished in our basement. Um, I was the older sister at this time because my older siblings were living um, in Texas, actually. And me and my younger sisters were living in Wisconsin with my mom and my stepdad. And I remember sitting in my basement bedroom on my bed, which was actually a futon, <laughs> sitting on my bed and hearing so clearly the presence of the Lord speak to me and compel me and tell me, Lauren, you are called to ministry. You are going to pastor and you are going to lead other youth to come to know me through your experiences and your opportunities and the things that I have done in your life. I remember it so clearly. And if there's one thing that you should know about me, if you haven't caught on to it already, is when I feel like I hear the voice of the Lord, I, I just go after it. <laughs> I don't typically hesitate or doubt or hold back. Now, don't get me wrong. I have many times been there, but a lot of times when I am confident 
that I have heard the voice of God, I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's get to action. Let's do something about it. And at that point in my life, hearing the Holy, feeling the Holy Spirit, hearing the voice of the Lord tell me this is my calling. I was like, okay. And I rerouted my entire future plan. I began to look for uh, ministry colleges and universities. I began to change my free time and I quit soccer, which I had done competitively from the time I was four years old. My parents had invested thousands of dollars in me traveling and playing um, club soccer, which was a very competitive tryout based soccer team. Uh, my parents were very much against that decision, but this is what the Lord told me to is focus all my energies on ministering and setting up my life for this calling he had put on my life. And so that's what I did. I sacrificed it all. I let it all go. And I began to spend hours and hours and hours at church with my youth pastor, ministering to middle school girls, leading a small group, preaching in the middle school ministry. Um, just, just about anything you could think of. I volunteered at an inner city, um, youth home for some inner city middle schoolers when I was in high school. And I would go down there twice a week and I would serve in inner city Milwaukee and serve with these teenagers and whatever it was. So I, I began to reroute my entire future, my plan. And I went to Bible college and I was involved in youth ministry there. And I served in youth ministry there. And I went on an internship to serve for a summer um, youth ministry position. And I invested four years of my life getting a degree to be a youth pastor. I met my husband. He was actually already a youth pastor at that time. So when we got engaged, we began to serve together. Um, and right after marriage, we quickly stepped into um, ministry positions, went into full-time ministry within, I believe, it was six months after our marriage, after we got married. And so we went into full-time ministry at that point. And man, it just, everything just happened. It is, almost seems like a blur, but I got quickly into this place where I was just doing what was expected of me. I was just doing what I had thought I prepared myself for, right? And I got to a place where I was no longer having these expectations of the Lord, or I was no longer um, getting new vision or desires or excitement or um, feeling like I had these compelling dreams and passions that I was going after. No, I was just doing what I was expected to do and what my past had led me to do. And so here I was in this ministry position and, and God was doing incredible things and we were serving in the youth ministry and our student ministry was incredible. We had amazing leaders. We poured into them. It was growing. It was going well, but really quickly, my life became a place where I was literally just a wife and a mom and a youth pastor, uh, a friend, maybe I didn't really feel like I had some really deep friendships, um, a few, but not a lot, uh, where I could be myself and be completely real. Um, I was, you know, doing the things of cleaning my house and cooking the meals and inviting the students over and doing different things. Okay. And so I got to this place, I was doing ministry and God was, God was incredible. And don't get me wrong. I was hearing the voice of the Lord, but my life had become so much about this, about the ministry, about the pastoring, about this role and this title that it wasn't anymore about who I was. 
You catch that? It wasn't who I was. Being a mom wasn't about who I was. It was about surviving so that my kids could survive. It was about putting all of my own wants and needs and desires aside so that I could take care of my kids. It was about bottling up all my emotions and my feelings and my, my struggles or temptations or even um, my moments of anxiety and depression, just bottling them up and pushing them aside or sweeping them under the rug and acting like they weren't happening because I had to do these roles that I was required to do. And very quickly in my life, I got to a place where I recognized, man, this is not the life God has for me. God does not desire me to live a life where I'm just checking off the boxes and doing what's required of me and going to bed and waking up the next morning and doing it all over again. No, if you read scripture, if you really get into the Bible and you recognize the the gospel message, there's so much hope and joy and expectation with all of that. And I was living a life that was void of expectation. Man, it was void of joy. It was void of hope. It was void of um, great desires, right? And hopes and dreams. Because I'd gotten to a place where it just became so mundane. It just became so necessary. And it felt like all those other things were just wasted time or space that kept me from doing the things I was required to do as a mom and a wife and a pastor, and a leader, and all these other things, right? And maybe you're in a place right now where you have just done, been some way or done something for so long that it's become second nature, but in the midst of it becoming second nature, it has sucked you dry of expected hope. It has stood in the way of those dreams and desires that were once so vibrant and true and were on fire inside of you. It has almost even swept away the passions that God has embedded in your heart and your soul. And when we get to this place, we have to recognize this is not the life that God has created us for. No, it's not. It's not the life he has for us. It's not the dreams he has for us. It's not the desires he has for us. It's not the purpose or the calling he has placed our life here on earth for. No, he desires us to live a life of of life, right? A life of expectation, a life of hope, a life of feeling and emotion and desire and passion and vision, a life of resurrection, a life of newness. You know, there's a story in the Bible uh, in Acts 27 where it talks about this man. He's a youth. If you look at at some of the texts, the uh, scholars like to say he's a youth. So I'm thinking like a teenager or young adult named Eutychus. Okay. And I don't know if you've heard this story. I actually had not heard this story um, or maybe I did and I, I glazed over it and it never really caught my attention before. But in Acts 27, there's this guy named Eutychus. And Paul goes on to share a talk, right? He, he's talking. And they think it was just going to be for a moment. But instead it carries on and it carries on and it carries on well past midnight, right? And at this time there's this kid, okay, Eutychus, who's sitting 
against a ledge on a window, right? And he's sitting there and the talk goes so long that he didn't expect that to happen. He didn't intend it that he he dozes off, right? And he falls asleep. And I don't know about you, but I think that is the worst feeling in the world when you're falling asleep somewhere that you know you shouldn't be falling asleep. Trying to keep your eyes open and to stay awake when you are tired is the worst thing ever. I think it's like ultimate torture to have to try to stay awake. Uh, I remember in college, I, um, I'm getting off in a rabbit trail here, but I remember I worked at a coffee shop and so I used to have to open and I would get up at like three 30 or four in the morning and open up the store at four 30 or five. And then I would come home and I would go to one class and then I would try to take a nap in between my next class for 20 minutes. And I was just all the time. I was so tired because I'd stay up super late. Right. And then get up super early to go to work and all these things. And, and so you'd start to doze off in class. Right. And then you'd hear your teacher say something and you would jump back up and then you'd start to doze off again. And then you'd be like, oh man, I sure hope I don't get called on. Right. We've all been there. There's been times where falling asleep. The worst is in the car, right? When you're driving and you just can't get yourself to stay awake. And at that point, we got to stop just trying to stay awake. We need to just pull over and take a nap or something. Right. Uh, because then it becomes very unsafe. But that was the case for you to kiss. He's sitting here and he wasn't expecting this long thought out discussion, right? Or talk that Paul was giving. Maybe he should have brought his energy drink or um, some coffee to tide him over if he was expecting that, but it wasn't, it was getting late and it was getting long. And so he dozes off. And what happens when he dozes off is he actually falls from the ledge, from the window. It's three stories. It says he falls and he dies. And when Paul finds this out, he actually goes downstairs, it says, and he, uh, he brings him back to life. Basically he resurrects him. And then what does he do? He resurrects him. And then he goes back and he starts talking until it's after it's daylight. So here at midnight, he brings a man back to life and he goes, okay, that's great. He's alive. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Now let me finish what I was talking about. Okay. Like it's no big deal. And the thing about this story is it's just is such an odd, peculiar story in scripture, but the thing that uh, it kind of struck me on was this whole idea that, man, this resurrection, this miracle of new life and new things that happened in Eutychus was like no big deal. It was like, okay, yeah, that's great. He's alive. Let's move on. Oh, that's great. He came back to life. Don't worry. I'm just going to continue with my conversation and the talk that I was giving. And so Paul goes on and continues with that. And I think a lot of times in our life, we get to this point where life feels mundane. Life feels underwhelming. Life feels like we're stuck, right? And, and we try to do something different or we try to push the limits or or we try to get ourselves motivated to change certain certain circumstances in our life, but we continue to feel like we're hitting walls or we're just barely scratching the surface of what God has for us and the things that we're meant for and the opportunities that God desires us, desires for our life. We feel like we're just scratching the surface and we feel like we're hitting walls and time and time again, we just can't quite break through. And we have these expectations that in order for us to get to this life of fulfillment and joy and, and hope and uh, man, all the things that God has intended for us in order for us to get there from where we are in our current circumstance, it has to be this 360. It has to be this like big blown out miracle. Like all of a sudden walls come crashing down or fire start or, um, 
the sea is parted, right? We think about these huge miracles in the Bible and we think about these things where Lazarus come out, right? And he starts walking Jesus is yelling that now, like a lot of times in our life, in order for God to breathe something new inside of us, it doesn't have to look like this giant miracle. It doesn't have to look like this big earth shattering moment where the whole world looks on in amazement. No, a lot of times when God breathes new life into us, when he gives us new opportunities, when he speaks to us that he desires to do a new thing through us, it's just like second nature to the Lord. It's just like a flip of his wrist or a wink from his eye. Because God lives out. He lives and breathes and ministers in new things and in new life and in resurrection and taking what was broken or lost or empty and filling it to overflowing and redeeming it and resurrecting it and and breathing new life into it and making a greater harvest out of it. And and God desires that so much for your life. And so if we want to get to that point where we're no longer just living the mundane, we're we're just surviving, we are just barely scratching the surface, we are boxed into the expectations of what we thought our life was supposed to look like, but we desire more and new and fullness from the Lord and new life and new opportunities and new gifts and new passions and new visions and new excitement. God wants to give that to you. But you have to let go of the expectation that that's going to look like this huge shift in all of your life. That it's going to look like this huge change of every circumstance and opportunity and relationship. No. When God breathes new life into you, it's a very personal thing. Yeah, there were so many onlookers when Eutychus died and was resurrected. There were so many onlookers. But when Paul stood back up and started to speak again, their eyes were back on Paul. They were no longer looking at Eutychus. They were no longer involved in the story of these couple sentences that were written in Scripture in Acts 27. But no, it was a personal thing for Eutychus. Now, I guarantee Eutychus didn't sit there and and begin to think, okay, let's just go on with the same attitude that I had before when I was listening to Paul. No, here's Eutychus who just had his life ended and in a split second was raised back to life. And he might be sitting around the same people he was sitting around looking at the same town and in the same building and actually hearing the voice of Paul speaking out the same talk that he was speaking just moments before. But instead, everything inside of Eutychus has changed. It's new. There's new opportunity. There's new dreams. There's new hopes. There's new motivation and desire and vision and passion for this life he holds here on earth. In a moment, God breathed new life into him. In a moment, he was resurrected. And if you want a new thing to happen in your life today, in this season, in this year, in 2021, you want to see a new thing. You want to have that resurrection life put back inside of you. The breath of God breathed inside of your soul and your spirit and your body. You want that? 
then you have to recognize that it's not going to look the way that you expect it to. You have to surrender what is now the feelings, the thoughts, the circumstances, the opportunities, the relationships. You got to give it over to God and trust that even in the midst of where you are right now, if it looks nothing like what you thought it would look like or what you thought it would feel like or what you're hoping it will look like or what you're hoping it would feel like. You have to trust there's no mistakes with God. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose inside of it. And you have to recognize in the midst of this that there is a process that God wants to bring you through. And so maybe you're sitting here today and your finances are stuck. And man, you're just asking God for a new thing in your finances. Or maybe you're sitting here today and your marriage is just stuck. Maybe nothing bad has happened or nothing feels necessarily broken. But that love and that passion and those emotions and that communication, it just feels dead. Feels dead. Maybe you're having some struggles with your kids in your home and your family where there's a disconnect and it doesn't give you life anymore and you're feeling lost and confused and overwhelmed and what you thought being a mom looked like or felt like is not adding up right now. Or maybe you're in a place where you pursued something for a long time. You pursued a dream or a vocation (laughs) or a passion that you felt like God had put in your heart. And now you're sitting in the midst of it and it's been a year or a couple years and you've poured your heart and your soul into it. And it just doesn't feel like it's paid off or it just doesn't feel like what you thought it would feel like. And you feel like you have these gifts inside of you that you're not using that are going to waste. And you feel like your passion for the Lord and your intimacy and your relationship with him is boring. (laughs) It's lost. It feels isolating and alone. I don't know what's going on in your life today or in this moment, but I want to tell you, Mama, God has a new thing for you. He's got a new thing for you. And all he wants is for you to say, okay, I'm going to let go of the past. I'm going to quit clinging to the present. Because all that that's going to do is keep me right where I am, but instead... I'm going to hold out for the new things God has for me. I'm going to trust. I'm going to surrender the things that might seem scary. I'm going to walk out in obedience. Here's the deal is a lot of times we want what God wants for us. We want what God has put in our heart and we desire more, more fulfillment, more impact, more abundant finances, more abundant ministries or businesses to be better mothers, to be better leaders, to be better wives, to be better daughters of the king. And yet in the midst of that, we desire those things, but we hold so fast to what we have right here in front of us because it's all we have and we're afraid to let go of it. 
But when God sees a heart of sacrifice and surrender, man, he knows you trust him. Man, he's ready to bless you. He's ready to pour out all those new things he has for you because you're not holding on to what you currently have. If you finally get to a point of surrendering and trusting with God that you're like, I don't care what it sacrifices. I don't care what risks I have to take. I don't care what it's going to look like on paper. I'm going to trust God in this because I know he has a new thing around the corner for me. When you do that, you open up the opportunity for God to do the new thing in you. Isaiah 43 verse 18, it says this, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I feel like there's some of you today that are listening and you feel like you're in the wilderness. You feel like you're in the desert, like you're all alone, like everything has dried up. You have no more energy. You have no more passion. You don't feel like you even have the drive inside of you to just keep going. But God wants you to know that in the midst of the desert, He is busting out rivers, plentiful rivers of water in the midst of the dryness, in the wilderness when it feels like there's no path or way out, he is making a way and he wants to do it for you. He's doing that new, that very new thing right now inside of you. And you might not have gone to this building or this place or ended up in this opportunity or this job or this business or this ministry or with the the kids that you have. You might not have intended to be where you are right now. Maybe circumstances got you there. Maybe choices brought you there. Maybe opportunities that looked like they were way more life-giving than they ended up being brought you to where you are right now. And that might not have been your intentions or your heart or your expectations. But Isaiah 43 says, don't remember the, the old things. Don't remember the past. Don't remember even your current circumstances because I want to do something new in you. Right now, it's already springing up. Don't you feel it? Can't you expect it? Man, do you recognize it? God's doing a new thing. He's guiding you in the midst of your isolation and your loneliness as you walk out in the wilderness. He is making a way for you. As you stand in the desert, he is pouring out floods and rivers and lakes of provision and water to fill your thirst, to fill the void. Our God is so good and he is so faithful and he never ever desires you to be in a place that is dry and alone and mundane and boring and not life-giving, but instead feels dead. 
Our God is a God of life and abundance and joy and fulfillment and wholeness and beauty. And in the midst of all that, he desires to be glorified. So I challenge you, sweet mama, today, perceive it. It springs forth inside of you. He's doing a new thing. Trust and believe it. Hold on to it. Walk with expectation in it. Allow yourself to feel it and experience it and believe for it and desire it and speak it out because God wants to give you new life today. And if you just surrender, if you just trust, if you just believe and walk through the process he has in front of you, he's going to do it. He's going to give you that new life and he's going to empower you and he's going to transform you. And even when the circumstances around you do not change, you'll be changed because there'll be a new thing that's happening inside of you. I want to challenge you to go on Spotify or whatever Pandora, whatever music thing you listen to, Apple Music, and look up Ways in the Wasteland, Ways in the Wasteland by New Spring Worship. And if you're in this place right now where you're feeling like you just desire new life inside of you, blast that song on and surrender it to God because he wants to do something new in you. He already is. All you got to do is surrender and trust and walk it out. Be bold, have confidence, have courage to let go of your present and forget your past and believe that your future is going to be so full of life. The life that God has intended for you. No, I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you and I am here to walk you through this journey and encourage you. God is so good. And I am so encouraged to know that regardless of what your current circumstances look like, God's got something new. He's springing it forth for you. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God, thank you for your new thing. Thank you that you are a God of resurrection. Thank you that your miracles of new life inside of us are just simply a thought from you, God. It's not this huge life-altering boom that just comes and interrupts, but instead it is a slow, perfecting beauty of your life that gets breathed into us day in and day out. And you're walking us through this incredible process. And so, God, I just pray for my beautiful ladies today that are listening in, that you will give them the courage to surrender, to sacrifice the expectations that they had in the past, and to walk forth expectant with hope for the new life and the new things you have ahead of them. I pray for miracles upon miracles in all the circumstances that they are holding out for God, for abundance and resurrection and restoration and redemption and forgiveness and healing and freedom. 
bust out God and do incredible miracles today and this week and this month. May we be so blessed and honored to glorify you in all the things that you desire to do it in and through us, God. We give it to you. You're so amazing, God. You're so good. We love you, Abba. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you, ladies. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Ministry and Motherhood. We're praying that today was an encouragement to you. But more than that, inspiration to just start taking action. Want to learn more? Join our Facebook group called Ministry and Motherhood or check us out online at laurenapple.org.